This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. We- and then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Crimson flames through my ears, high and mighty Every Monday night, Toby and I would go to the Ludlow Street Cafe. This band called Beat Rodeo played there as the house band on Monday night, and I went every Monday night for probably a year or two, and... And they would play this song. I, I, I can't, I just, and they were really great musicians. And they were really, they were just too cool for school. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your hosts, comedian and radio personality, Maggie Mayfield. And Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Let's do a show. All right. This is called Y-Tune Shuffle. My name is Maggie Mayfield, your host. Uh, with me, my very awesome co-host, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. Well, howdy! <laughs> <laughs> and very excited to have the, uh, this guest today. Can, can we say famous now? I don't think so. I think we can. What to, uh, yes, we can. Yeah, we can. Super yeah. famous actor, William Mark McCullough. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah. You're especially in town in Los Angeles because you are promoting a movie that you just made. Yes. Which was cool. Yes. <laughs> He's like, that's it. Don't want to talk about it anymore. To actually meet someone in LA who's actually in like a movie a real is, is not, you know, that's not, a, that's, that's not as easy as people might think. Mm-hmm. Well, he, uh, let me just connect the dots for a second. Episode 27 was Chad Ridgely who yes. made a movie called mm-hmm. Massacre on Isle 12. And that is not one of the first movies you ever did, but that's how you two are connected and how yes. I was introduced to you Yes, because you were in town in Los Angeles and Chad and I met up with you right. at a couple spots in LA that were firsts for me. I mean, <laughs> both of those were really cool. So yeah. 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 yeah that was fun. Chad's awesome. Can you yeah. talk about how you and Chad met? Uh, we had a mutual friend uh, named Jim clock mm-hmm. and those guys knew each other. I think for a long time, they, I mean, former cops and just kind of, I was living out here in LA and, um, just hung out, you know, we kind of met and, and hit it off. And I didn't get to really know Chad that well until we worked on this film together. Right. And uh, he, he had partially written it, he produced it, starred in it, mm-hmm. and he'd asked me to uh, help direct it. And I had a fun little part in it playing a very, very bad Santa. Yes, you did. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they came out to Savannah where I was at. and Because um, that's where they filmed it? That was, that's where they filmed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we got this... Big, huge warehouse, and uh, it's kind of falling apart, and just turned it into a set, and yeah. we had a blast. It was so much fun. Well, he, you you co-directed that film? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he get you out of the trades or something, or you you met actually down at Savannah? No, we met here in L.A. Oh, through a okay. mutual friend. Oh, and, got it. Um, okay, okay. He knew, you know, I'd done some directing, and uh, I think it was a situation where they, they needed a place, and Savannah was going to work, and yeah. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind yeah. of worked out, and, and I knew the cat, most of the cast and the crew were old, old buddies. So, uh, so out. but you grew up in Savannah. I did. And when did you come to Los Angeles? Ah, oh, there was a long detours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, do you remember what it was that you were like, "Yep, I got to go to L.A. I got to make this thing." I do work. I grew up outside of Savannah, a few miles outside of Savannah, uh, in a trailer park, dirt poor. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I just remember this sucks, and. Um, so I didn't want to be poor. So I knew I needed to do something. So I went to school. I wanted to do other things. I wanted to be a lawyer or a doctor or something. And I had to take an elective. And my choice was acting or art history. And I was pretty sure I was going to fail art history. So <laughs> I <laughs> took acting instead. And uh, I, I went in so cynical. I was like, this is going to suck. A bunch of artsy theater uh-huh. people. 
And I did my first monologue in this little you know, classroom, fluorescent lights, maybe 15 people. And I've never done crack, but I got to imagine that the way it feels when you do crack is how it felt when I did that monologue. Mm. Yeah. And I couldn't shake it. And um, so I, you know, I switched over, you know, studied acting, and got out of school and realized I didn't learn one single thing about how to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do. And I, again, I did not want to be poor. So uh, my family urged me to uh, do something else. And uh, like a lot of lost souls, I went to law school. Wow. And yeah, that's, uh, that was a long three years. And uh, see, so yeah, I went to law school thinking that maybe standing from a jury would give me that thing inside that mm -hmm. I got from acting on stage. And didn't. Mm -hmm. And I got out of law school and, and started working as a prosecutor for a little while. And I took a trip. So you took the bar, like you passed and everything. Mm -hmm. like you were, wow, okay. Yeah. I took a trip down to Nicaragua and was in this really bad car accident. And uh, oh. spent about four or five weeks in the hospital there, which was the best horrible experience of my life. Because laying in the hospital bed, it made me just reevaluate my life. And mm -hmm. I thought, what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing a safe job mm -hmm. that I'm not passionate about. So when I got better, I went back to D.C., quit my job, and uh, started what I lovingly recall uh, as the ramen noodle years. Mm. Uh, I struggled. Mm -hmm. I came out to L.A. after that. So I, I, I was in D.C. for law school and working in D.C. after law school. Then came to L.A., uh, again, having no idea how to get a job <laughs> and having no idea how to act in TV and film because I had studied theater acting. And On stage, I learned yeah. the hard way they are very, very different. <laughs> <laughs> So that's that's what for me it was literally a, a really horrendous car accident in Nicaragua that changed my life. Wow! And you were in Nicaragua for vacation. I like to travel, you know, and I, I like <laughs> that's what your that's what it says yeah. on your your website. Yeah, I like to travel. Yeah, world traveler. Yeah, so like, and I never, I've never enjoyed touristy spots, you know. Mm -hmm. Like I spent a lot of time all throughout Russia and backpacked through Eastern Europe and Turkey and Central America and Cuba. Probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows yeah. what is week it? is it now yeah, yeah. so um, yeah but I, I just love going to interesting places mm -hmm. and uh, I'd heard Managua was cool so I went to check it out and Nicaragua was, was wonderful there was mm -hmm. amazing people there um, and it led me to end up doing what I love mm -hmm. so. that's incredible and liberating at the yeah. same time yeah. I well, didn't go ahead was, you know I, when, I, when I got back to, to the states and told my friends my law school friends I was quitting law, y'all thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. And now about once a month, I have a friend from law school call me and say, how do I get out of this law thing? Yeah. Because <laughs> they realize it doesn't matter if you're not passionate and doing what you yeah. love. So, And you're doing it. I'm doing it. That's so great. Yeah. And you brought some songs with you. I did. That are going to take us back yes. to the beginnings <laughs> of Mark. And that is the show. We're going to shuffle with the Y and the tunes. I cannot wait. Here we go. Awesome. Song number one. <laughs> the screen door slams Mary's dress waves It's the boss Like a vision she dances Across the porch as the radio plays I love this song Roy Orbison singing for the lonely Hey, that's me and I want you only Don't turn me home again I just can't face myself alone again Don't run back inside, darling You know just 
Take you. Bruce Springsteen, Thunder Road! <laughs> it was hard to pick this song. I mean, really, almost everything Springsteen did for me. <laughs> but the same story. You know, you're in that little town, you're trapped, and you just want to get the hell out. Mm-hmm. And I remember being a teenage boy, uh, the Hot Rod Camaro. Mm. Nice. What year? 78. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that the uh, the Burt Reynolds yeah, very much. The long. Yes, I yes. saw one the other day. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, got a, I got a message last week from somebody about that car. But <laughs> I just felt so trapped. Just trapped. And I'd, I'd hear the song, and there was just something in it that, that, that drive to get out, to do something, to, you know, and, and it just resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, you know, because I grew up in those neighborhoods where a lot of people don't leave unfortunately you know you get kind of trapped in the cycle of not good stuff and i just want to listen to that song over and over and over when i was in high school and it it part of that was what helped propel me out and um yeah it just just kind of kept me going Mm -hmm. you said you grew up in a trailer park Mm -hmm. can you talk about what it was like there like who lived in the house with you like who who were you living with? Like who did you grow up with? I grew up with my mom, and my mom and dad got divorced when I was very very young, and they each got remarried. And so, I have nine siblings. Wow. Uh, I grew up with five of them, and with my mom, and uh, and she was a wonderful. She's still alive. She's a wonderful woman, <laughs> and uh, she worked very hard and did her best. But it was hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And she was really young. She had me. I think she was sixteen when she had me. So she was just a kid. And um, are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. Yeah. And um, yeah, so being a neighbor, I mean, it wasn't horrible. You know, I mean, there's bad and good in every place. Um, I just knew there was something more. I just knew it. And, you know, I, I came from a, a loving family, but a family from a long history of folks who had struggled, you know, financially. And, and uh, I was the first one to go to college and do anything in the education side of stuff. So I was a little bit in the dark. I, didn't, I just didn't know. Um, and so, it, you know, it was a struggle, but plenty of people have struggles. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it was just the experience I had to help for me growing up in a, in kind of a, in a, in a rough situation at some points, um, a makes this so much sweeter, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you, when you have some success, it really makes it sweeter and just makes me appreciate everything. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I know people today who struggle, who, you know, they worry about how you pay the electric bill. How do you, where's your next meal coming from? And, um, so it's easy to get caught up in all the hoopla that we do in, in this, in mm-hmm. this industry. But, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's nice for me to, to always be connected to, to that and be connected to real people right. who don't give a damn what I do for a job. Right. You know, it's just like we're old friends from as, as long as I can remember. And they don't, I mean, they, they love me, they care, but right. it's irrelevant. Right. You know? So when you were growing up, my parents split up also, but my, our situation was so unique in the sense that like my mom worked all day, my dad worked all night and then it was just me and my sister. And so my entire family credits a a lot of my sister's upbringing to me. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious 
if it's similar in your household where like you would get up and make sure everyone got to school on time, that lunches were packed, that everyone got home from school safely and, you know, and, and got homework done before mom got home and mm-hmm. things were taken care of. Was that kind of a, the role that you took on in the house? There's a little bit of that. Uh, there's definitely a lot of pictures of me, six, seven years old, holding a baby with a bottle. <laughs> wow. Know? Yeah. So there's a lot of helping out with the younger ones. But, you know, I'm a guy. I'm not the best caretaker, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I My older out. brother, Danny. Yeah, Bow. yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. I say a little more tough love for like, <laughs> yeah. what you provided. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we all pitched in. We all had to, you know, be a part and help out. And, and yeah. a long time, my mom was, uh, you know, was a working mom and she'd do her thing during the day. Uh, she worked as a maid at a hotel and, and uh, we just had to step up. You know, I, um, I, uh, I have a girlfriend who's got two little girls and uh, they're wonderful and adorable. And, and obviously, I want to make sure they never go through anything near what I, what I went through but uh they don't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> and they can't yeah because for me as a little kid like i woke up and from kindergarten on i got up got ready for school took care of myself because it was just the way it was, it was there was mm-hmm. no other option yeah and um but again that helps make you who you are i want to take a ride in that camaro uh, <laughs> what color was it it was a uh it, it was red on the bottom and black on top oh like two-tone that. two-tone i know that color i know that car yeah. i know that paint job chrome header side pipes mm-hmm. chrome blower coming through the hood what are we listening to what kind of sound system uh pioneer probably Blau pioneer Punk. At the time yeah, so. <laughs> you know yeah the uh yeah the, oh jeez. did yeah. you what buddies come to mind like i i had a i had a 71 pontiac le mans oh nice oh uh, it was insane my buddy brett bowers like my mom wants to get rid of our car 750 bucks <laughs> 354 barrel mm. 71 le mans I'm thinking Bobby Oliver, Terry Townsend, yeah. Jimmy and and Tommy, Jimmy Kataya, and we all and Richard Burke, and we all had like, I I was Dom DeLuise, nice. Richard Burke was like Burt Reynolds, <laughs> nice. you know, and and Kataya was Mel Till, like who's your buddies? What are what are some of their names? And who'd you hang out with? What you guys do for fun? Well, growing up, I hung out with the, uh, I still hang out with a buddy named Jay Davis. And, Jay Davis. Uh, yeah, Jay's Jay's awesome. <laughs> I've I've known him since I was two. Uh, his older sister, I probably shouldn't tell the story, but I'm going to anyway. <laughs> Careful. His older sister was my babysitter, and uh, my parents got divorced, and my dad married his older sister. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and she is a lovely woman. I, I love her. But a barrel, 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 barrel. No, come on. Uh, but uh, that was a good buddy of mine. We're still great friends. We, we do a lot of a lot of the traveling I did. I did with him. Cool. Um, Bob Rancourt, great friend of mine uh, from back home. Spider Cruise. Spider Cruise, uh, spider a buddy Cruise. of yours? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here we go. So it is here we his go. little brother, Eric Cruz. The good um, stuff. Yeah. Uh, Richie Eunice. Just good guys. You know, I know. Literally, Richie literally texted me three days ago, and I, I haven't had that call in the road in years. He says, man, did I, did I just see your car today? <gasps> so I no. Uh, so you got to get back on the road. He's like, I'm getting some boys. I'm coming over next week, and we're going to make sure he gets back on the road. Love it. Wow. <laughs> love it. Good guys. And the boss playing. Oh, yeah. Thunder Road. Yeah. Sweet. Good pick, man. Mm. All right, let's do song number two.
opportunity. Seize everything you ever wanted. One moment. Did you capture it? Could you? Just let it slip. <laughs> Did you? I tried. His palms are sweaty. Knees Seems like it. Heavy. This is a really great song. Motivation, man. Mm-hmm. Motivation. I hear this when I go running and I'm like, I can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Who, where does what, this take you? Yeah. <laughs> why does this make your fave five? When I got to LA um, and I started going to auditions, I was terrified. <laughs> yeah. Terrified. And uh, that makes me feel so normal. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird. Like, I, I'd been in front of juries, I'd worked in political campaigns, spoke to big crowds. There was just something different mm. about walking that room with the casting director and her little assistant. I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. Yeah, right? I never so thought weird. of that way. The most like, unintimidating hell. people. Yeah, and it's and it's. <laughs> so I literally, when I moved to LA, I listened to that song over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Every time I was driving to an audition, that song was just playing in, in in loop over and over and over. And it just got me kind of in that place mentally that I needed to be. It didn't stop me from being scared out of my mind when I walked in the door when I first got here, but it helped. It oh helped yeah, keep me going forward. What, what, what part of town did you move into when you came to LA? Oh gosh! When I got to LA, I was uh, on Wilshire, um, next to the uh, next to the uh, penthouse building. Uh, in Koreatown? No, not that. No, place. it's uh, La Cienega, or yeah, I think uh, the Flynn Building. I was right in the shadow of the Flynn Building there. Did you know anyone when you got here? I didn't know anybody. You just really? did it. Oh, just did it's, it. It's a, this is a this is yeah. the weirdest place in the world, oh, yeah. and I've been all over the world too. So and I grew I mean, up in Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know it's the first foreign country I think I, yeah, I really yeah. went to was was L.A. Yeah, yeah. so but I, I was I was there so I was like right on the edge of uh, I guess it was just just east of Beverly Hills and uh, from there I went to Hermosa Beach which I love uh, my God doing the four hundred five anywhere was horrible still yeah, <laughs> yeah so I left there uh, I was in Hollywood at Hollywood La Brea for a long time Hollywood man ten yeah. years eleven years yeah. in Hollywood yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. yeah so you first land in Hollywood how did you find your way around do you remember like a moment where you're like okay i got a handle on this town <laughs> well, it's funny or does I, that ever come you think? yeah i don't think it ever came for me well i was just telling my girlfriend this last week that when i was in dc i didn't have a car i just took the subway everywhere mm-hmm. and i was there for five years not driving mm-hmm. and so i bought a car drove cross country to la and i remember distinctly the day that i pulled in on the 10 into la and it was literally like driving into hell I, <laughs> Oh like, yeah! What is th- it was it, it, so overwhelming wow. to me. Yeah. And the first three months I was here, I didn't take any highways. It was just surface streets because wow. I was terrified of the traffic. It was just so. Over- I mean, it just overwhelming to me. Um, we don't have highways. Here. Did it take you a while <laughs> to freeways. like make friends? <laughs> Whatever and, you like, call. I know. <laughs> did it take a while for you to make friends and like come to? Not too bad. You know, I, I, I pretty quickly got into an acting class and and I met buddies and some of them actually. Uh, the other night we were out. One of my buddies is a. First guy I met in LA and became friends with in an acting class. Cool. Yeah. Mm. Chuck Ashworth. Great, great guy. Nice. And then I had a job here, you know, I was trying to you know, survive and so what I met friends job? there. I worked at a law firm. You did? Perfect. Did. Wow. Yeah. Uh, no, it's well, great, like it's great either great wait tables. Yeah. 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 Or... Be, yeah. be waiting tables. And the guys I work with were wonderful. Like they let me take time off for auditions. Mm-hmm. They were really supportive. Nice. So That's great. cool. But yeah, it was uh it was a shocking it was a shocking experience when I got here. Mm-hmm. Where'd you have your first car accident in LA? <laughs> I had my first car accident on uh, La Cienega. Uh, it was horrible. Fairfax and La Cienega is yeah. mine. Yeah. yeah, it was very close to there. Yeah. Uh, I'm cruising along, <laughs> and this valet pulls out. It was where all the, all the restaurants, restaurant row. Yeah, yeah. 
valet pulls out, I stop, and a car rear-ends me at 45 miles an hour. Oh, man. Hello. Just, oh, my God, it was horrible. Uh, yeah. And mad. Yeah, that was, that was the first of several. I know. I, I mean, that's a common question. Where'd yeah. you have your first accent? Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. This weird, nice. weird town. Mm -hmm. This town. <laughs> yeah. But then you left. Yes. Why did you leave? What happened? Well, uh, my dad got sick. Mm. And um, I literally, he called me and, and, and uh, said he was sick. And I, the next week, I got on a plane and left. And I had no intention of, of staying gone. I, I was going back home to spend some time with my dad. And because um, at that point, I'd been home. One week every two years, you know, yeah. and I'd been gone mm. for years from, from home. And I went home and I don't know, just being there with my dad and my brothers and sisters and seeing my nieces and nephews. Because for years, I'd see them jump up between the two-year visits, you know, and it was just a, it was crazy. And actually connecting with them and, and being in their lives. Like, I remember once when I was still in L.A., I called one of my sisters and my little nephew answered the phone. And I said, hey, can I, can I talk to your mom? He said, yeah. Hey, mom, uh, the actor guy's on the phone. Aww. Literally how he referred to me. I was like, that's horrible. So, so being home, uh, being around family and, and, uh, and being a little older, I appreciated Savannah more than I did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was nice. And then the other thing is the industry changed. I didn't realize that now you can work uh, as an actor anywhere. And so with technology. So uh, once I realized that, I was like, I can chill out here. And still do what I love. And afford uh, to live there. And, and afford to yeah. live there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I decided to uh, stay in Savannah. I come out here for work, but, uh, yeah, it's great. That great. is great. Mm -hmm. How's your dad? He passed away, mm -hmm. um, but he lived an amazing life. Tell and, me about it. Oh, my gosh. Well, that'll be one of the songs that we cover. But, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maybe the next song? I think it may be the next song. All yeah. right. Song number three. <laughs> Todd Snyder. Todd Snyder. I never heard this. I like that steel guitar. Oh, his voice. He's been my neighbor since 79. Mm. Of course, he was in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Where did you hear this the first time? I heard this on uh, Pandora. <laughs> All voices. Modern times, yeah, man. Yeah. Wow, though. Oh, it's a great song. It, it is. It talks about life in a trailer park, and it is so dead on. Wow. So I heard that song in L.A., and I was driving on the 101, and it literally brought my childhood crashing back in my face and my dad's amazing, wonderful, crazy life. And uh, 
that song made me decide to create a TV show to start based around my dad's life and these crazy characters that I mentioned earlier uh, that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was before he got sick or anything. It's just, you know, because yeah. he lived, he lived one of those lives that you can make a movie about. What's his name? Freddie McCullough. Okay. Freddie, I love that name. I did too. Tell yeah. the story. And I called him Hot Rod. Ah! <laughs> well, you know, when he passed away, I, I, I was sitting on my back porch in Savannah and I read a bunch of obituaries and they all were so boring and dull. And I thought, well, that wasn't dad. Dad dad loved women, he loved whiskey, and he loved fast cars. And uh, I was like, so I can't do that. So I, I, because I've been working on this TV show pitch about my dad, there was a lot of information I just had ready at my hand. And so I wrote this obituary about my dad. You had and to just, write the obituary? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. So I submitted it to the local paper. And about a week and a half later, so, well, people all over the country start contacting me on Facebook saying, is this your dad? And I was like, yeah, how did, how did you see that? The paper calls me about a week and a half later and said they'd had two million hits on the obituary online. Whoa. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And uh, <laughs> it got covered in, in the Daily Mail, in Moscow, in Australia. It was what? The Post. Uh, it was everywhere. And in the, in the obituary, I mentioned my dad loved two and a half men. Uh-huh. And the guys from two and a half men actually got my phone number from the newspaper and called me to offer their condolences. Um, it was pretty amazing. It made, wow. it made all of our loss of, of our dad a little easier to deal with because he made such a huge impact yeah. you know, with his obituary. But it's, and it's funny because my grandma is an older, very sweet lady, and she was sick, and she, she called me up. She says, Mark, um, when I pass away, I'd really like you to write my obituary. I said, sure, Grandma, I'd be happy to. She goes, but I don't want anything like your dad's. <laughs> <laughs> I put in there, you know, I just put the way he was, you know. And, what and, are the highlights? I mean, yeah. what's... Uh, that he loved, uh, he loved women and fried chicken and... and you know, fast cars and fast whiskey. Cars. And yeah, just, yeah. Fill in the blanks all the way yeah. down the line. Yeah. I mean, it's what, just wild. What did he do? How did he how did he pay the rent? He had a he, he was an amazing mechanical mind. He could build anything, he mm-hmm. could tear anything apart. I was always the uh I had to read the instructions, you know. Was, <laughs> I was that guy. Uh, that was not my dad. He put in floor covering, he had a he had a business putting in floor covering. He started when he was young, uh, building houses and then moved into the floor covering business. And so he did actually the um, all the big malls, like he would do oh. Victoria's Secrets and the and wow. the limited stores, all the marble. And he was amazing. The house that I live in, he built it, and it, it's amazing. Like he wow. Just, but yeah, my, my dad, he just he oh. had this ability. That's a picture of him, right? That's there. picture of him. Yeah. Dad gone. That's nineteen seventies. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Describe it. Describe wow. it to me. I mean, if you could look at the Almond Brothers, yes, and, okay. and his dad would fit yeah. snug in a rug. I love it. You know, Greg Almond lived in Savannah, and my dad got stopped and. Until the day he died, people thought he was Greg Almond because he had the long hair and the beard. And he loved life. Yeah. Of all the people I've ever met in my life, A, he loved life, and B, he lived it. Yeah. He just lived it. And when he got sick, I remember he saying, I'd rather live to be 60 than be alive till 80. Yeah. And um, how was your relationship? What did you guys do before he got sick? Oh, my God. What was, was your favorite amazing. thing to like when you guys would hang out? We'd hang out. We we did a lot of trips together. We did motorcycle. He's he was really into motorcycles, and I love motorcycles. That's awesome. So we did a lot of motorcycle rides, um, a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. He was actually with me in Nicaragua when I got in the car accident. Oh wow! Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, he was there. It was it was yeah, it was yeah. very fortunate. My dad has he loved women like he just and not in a bad way. Can I? May I? Sure. I mean, uh, this comes right out of the Bloomington Post or whatever. Yeah. The is this the obituary? This is a, a an excerpt from okay. 
And uh, Freddie, God, I love that name, man. Uh-huh. Said there isn't enough space here to list all the women from Freddie's past. <laughs> there isn't enough space in the Bloomingdale phone book. A few of the more colorful ones were Mama Margie, Crazy Pam, Big Titty Wanda, Spacey <laughs> Stacy, and Sweet Melissa. He explained that nickname had nothing to do with her attitude. Bow, 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 bow. Dad. Yeah. Wow. That's your dad. I'll tell you how great my dad was. So my mom and dad got divorced when like, I was a little baby. And my mom's grandmom was this old-fashioned, really religious woman. And my dad was the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. But when she passed away, many, many years later, she requested my dad be a pallbearer. Like, she loved my dad. Yeah. When the second wife my dad had, because he went through several. Um, is this the babysitter? This is the babysitter. When they divorced, my dad ended up becoming best friends with her dad. And they would take vacations together. Wow. And when you'd ask the dad ab- about my dad, he would say, well, yeah, Freddie had problems with women, you know, but he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody loved him. He just had such a charm. Old boy had a heart. Yeah, he had a heart. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he just, his, his weakness, he loved, he loved women and, and fun and excitement. And everybody just seemed to overlook that. You know, like he got away with things that I could never get away with in a million years. I, you know, I, I'm in, I'm in therapy. Mm-hmm. I don't know a damn thing about the human brain or how the mind works, but in, you know, all of us, I think our listeners as well have these stories of families and all mm-hmm. the crazy twists and turns we take, mm-hmm. but it almost sounds like your dad was an entertainer mm-hmm. and didn't, I mean, some, some men, women don't need the lights, camera and action to get that audience, right. you know? So he probably rubbed off on you quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because when we passed away, we had a bunch of huge reality TV uh, production companies contact us wanting to do a reality TV show. Really? And, yeah. And I remember the first one called me and after they read the obituary and they said, listen, Mark, if you're half as interesting as your dad, and I said, let me stop you. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. <laughs> so you can move on. So we didn't do a show because none of all the kids. Could like, you play him? You know, uh, I could. But the interesting thing about the show, he is a very powerful character in the, in the narrative. He's intertwined with it. But he, we never see him, because I just didn't want an actor to play him. That's wild, man. Wow. It's, it's just he was just so unique. I love that outfit. I wish we could put a picture on yeah. this episode. Yeah. The hat, the the it looks like a vest kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. that mustache. He, he was a huge influence on my life. Uh, yeah, you Good. know, it, like I, I'd spent when when I left Savannah originally, um, I tried my damn just to put a facade on and hide that past. Yeah. And what I watched of my dad through my life is he just was. Isn't mm. I was working on Capitol Hill with a senator. My dad comes up, walks in the office, and he was dad. He was dad whether he was in a country bar or on Capitol Hill. He never changed, and people loved him. Mm-hmm. And I spent many, many years putting this, this mask on. And when my dad passed away, I remember standing at, at his funeral, and person after person after person got up. And talked about how dad had helped them. You know, he fixed their car. He, you know, fixed their roof. And he built something. He was just helping people. And I realized, I, you know, I had not helped anybody but myself for years. And it, and it really affected me. And I immediately, you know, then the following week after the funeral, I decided I was going to start helping people. So I started going to the neighbors and trying to help them with their cars and their houses. And after a couple of months, they said, we're, we're, we're good, Mark. <laughs> Because I was making it all worse. No, I get and it. I do it. But then I started helping people with what I'm good at. And mm-hmm. and it, I do that in honor of my dad. Um, but the other thing that happened for me when he passed away, 
it made me take that stupid mask off mm-hmm. and just be. And now, you know, for years I tried to be something I wasn't. And it wasn't until I embraced who I truly was that I found the success in the career that I was having mm-hmm. uh, when I stopped being fake. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is me, and that's enough. And I absolutely got that <sighs> from watching my dad for years just be. So that, that was – it took him passing away for me to embrace that. Mm-hmm. But that is the biggest influence he had on my life is just to be who I am. And not that's what everybody did. wants these days. Mm-hmm. They want what your dad is. Mm-hmm. And I think people get kind of, I know certainly for me, it's like, do I have to wear a robe? Do I have to have some kind of a, a, a chant that I have to do? Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm hearing and sensing from your dad is that he was the ideal of what so many of us are looking for today is just, just be man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, no apologies and nothing right. to apologize for. That's it. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. May we all find our Freddie inside <laughs> of us at some point. Yes. Yeah, man. I'm going to get Freddie on it. All right, song number four. Pack up all your dishes. Make note of all good wishes. Say goodbye to the landlord for me. Sons of bitches always bore me. <laughs> Throw out those LA papers. Holy box of vanilla wafers. Adios to all this concrete. Gonna get me some dirty road back street. This guy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I mean, I. Whoa. Get off the LA freeway. <sighs> yep. Who is this and what's the story for you? For me, well, that's Jerry Jeff Walker, who is amazing. That song, I listened to it for a long time. I, yeah, when I was, I was out here for, for many years, and LA began to have its toll on me. In and, what way? What do you mean? You know, in a lot of ways. Um, in a negative way? In a negative way, yeah. Where I grew up, I was used to, if I gave you my word, that was it. Yeah. And if you gave me your word, that was it. And so it was, I never got used to the, to the fact that that's not the case here. Yeah. And I often joke that uh, when I'm out here, you go in the sounds terrible, but you go into a bar, I'll see that one guy back in the corner who's not a douchebag. And back home, I walk into a bar, I see that one guy back in the corner who is a douchebag. Interesting. Um, it's just very different. Probably sounds a little judgmental, but... Just the way it is. You're unapologetically you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just started to feel beat down. You know, the, the, the whole system, you know, the, the, the acting grind, all of it, and, and the, the focus on things that at the end of the day don't matter worth a damn. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I, I'd listened to that song for years and loved it. And when I made the decision to actually stay in Savannah, I remember popping this song in and smiling, you know? And it's like, and it just felt Right. Where were you? I was sitting on my back porch, smoking a cigar. Nice. And um, and I'm so glad I did because my life changed dramatically for the better by making that decision. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So that song, that means a lot to me. What are the things that matter? Because, I mean, clearly there's a lot of things that we focus on in L.A. that you said that don't matter. So mm-hmm. what is it to you that does matter? Well, the thing I learned when I first started in this career, I used to think, 
once I'm a successful actor, I'll be happy. Ooh. What I learned is once I'm happy, then I might become a successful actor. And that's what happened for me. Once I focus on things that mattered, my family, my loved ones, my friends, my community, being a good person, helping other people, mm -hmm. and stop so just focusing constantly on me, 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 my success, my, it just changed everything. It put things in perspective. And at one point, my acting career was, that was the end all, be all of everything. And I was having no success. And it wasn't until I started treating it like a job, an important job, and mm -hmm. I work very, very hard. But at the end of the day, it's a job. And other things have to matter more than that. And as much as I love acting, as much as I love everything that I do now in my career, I would trade it in a heartbeat for my family and loved ones. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't the case 10 years ago. One of my biggest regrets in life, I was out here in L.A. and I booked some low-budget film. And my dad and two of my buddies, uh, Jay and Bob, were coming out to visit me. And I was staying in this tiny, tiny apartment out in Hermosa Beach. And I warned them, this is a tiny apartment. <laughs> you got to give them that warning. Yeah. And they're like, no, we'll, we'll stay with you. It's all good. I'm like, trust me when I tell you it's tiny. <laughs> and so they walked in. And they're like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But me like an idiot, I booked this film the week before they showed up. And I did the film every day instead of spending time with them. And if I could go back and take that back, I would... It's just some dumb film, you know, like who cares at the end of the day? It's just a job. And if I could have that time back, I mean, they, they had a good time. They went around, they sure. saw things, but I wasn't with them. I was working 14 hours a day on a film. Mm -hmm. And looking back now, it's like, my God, at the end of the day, when you're on your deathbed, who cares what you're doing for your job? Mm -hmm. It's like, what experience did you have with your family, your loved ones, your friends? You know? yeah. Were you present, you know? Yeah. Were you there? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your favorite thing about Los Angeles? In and out. <laughs> he, he, he drove up to the interview holding in and out cup. I knew you were gonna. I knew you might say that. I knew you might say that. I do love yeah, that. I, I, I mean, I, 22 years I've been out here, and and in all fairness, 15 of them I was in and out of town, out more than I was probably in. So I'm kind of getting a re re-education. And when mm. you talk about like pure hell coming off of that 10 freeway into Los mm. Angeles. It is indescribable. I mean, I've been to Sri Lanka. I've been to Bombay. I've been to, not Nicaragua, but I've been down to Brazil, and mm -hmm. I've been to Argentina. I've just been in Mexico, shot films down there, Mexico City at Cherubusco. Mm -hmm. Ain't nothing in the world like Los Angeles. Maybe Bangkok, Thailand a little bit, but at least yeah. like most people are from Southeast Asia. Right. And the diversity and the sort of inconsistency of the neighborhoods, there's no infrastructure that matches mm -hmm. that. Like, so many of us are lost. Right. We can right. edit that whole thing out. That was me ranting. <laughs> but I mean, just to try to bring some perspective to our 50,000 plus listeners, mm -hmm. you know, like of what we're trying to talk about. It's not like we're crapping on L.A., but no, it's not a trip. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you got to get out. Right. And right. I'm, you know, I'm in, I'm in a, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, I got to go up the road to Malibu. I mm -hmm. got to go up the road or down, you know, down to San Diego. And thank God we can get out of it. Mm -hmm. you know, and you got to, I think. And, and I'm in no way trying to put down L.A. because No, I didn't intend wonderful. to say that. Yeah. Um, but it's I needed to get out of L.A. And it's because when I was here, my focus was on the wrong things. Now, I could come back to L.A. tomorrow and life would be very different because my focus, I think, is in the right in the right. Yeah. Way. So I wouldn't get so caught up in the silliness that's easy to get caught up. That's in exactly it because it's not about – and I, I didn't hear you say that you hated L.A., but I was totally relating that there are days I'm driving out of my apartment mm -hmm. and I live in Pacoima like outside of Burbank. So a rooster rakes me up every morning and I nice. love it. And there's guys on horses that go by. Mm -hmm. And there are some days I'm like, I could not imagine living any other place in here. 
Mm-hmm. And then there are other days where I'm like, why am, why am I living here? It's just that kind of place. Well, it's funny. My girlfriend came for the first time, and she fell in love with L.A. She's got two little girls who are adorable who I'm going to bring them out here soon to visit, and they're, they are the opposite of tomboys. <laughs> they will love Rodeo Drive, and they will love, they will love everything awesome. about L.A. But, uh, yeah, and, and like I said, for me, I could come back tomorrow. Showing people around is cool. It is mm-hmm. fun. Well, why fun. are you out here in L.A.? I mean, you live in Savannah. Are you doing something out here? What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious. Yeah. Are you, what? Well, I uh, American Made uh, just came out last weekend. You mean the yeah. big billboards we're seeing yeah. all over town? Yeah. You're affiliated yeah. with that thing? I'm affiliated with it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How so? I play uh, Cruz's co-pilot in that movie. And, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! So it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I'm sorry, I just, I, just, I, I, I really wanted. That's interesting. You're yeah. out here doing. You did that film with them. Yeah. So yeah. what's the big premiere out here or something? They didn't do a premiere. I was in Logan Lucky with Soderbergh's last one. They didn't do a premiere either. Oh uh, man, it's kind of a new thing. Tom Cruise hurt his ankle on Mission Impossible, so I think it kind of put a crimp in things. But um, mm-hmm. oh okay. But I, it, but I had a lot of meetings and media and things to do, so I came out. And it was fun seeing the movie here. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Did you shoot and flying then... up in the air in a plane? Yes, I was. Uh, I wasn't flying, but they had a... <laughs> no, I mean, uh, but but uh, but I was the pilot. I mean, I, I look. They made it look like I was flying. Well, see, we see the cars driving around right. town where they're being pulled by a trailer, and you right. see the actors in the back like they're driving. It was actually a combination. Um, yeah. Some of the scenes we shot on the ground on a jib, yeah. and others we were actually in South America, up in planes, flying around with helicopters surrounding us. It was, it was amazing. It was the I most bet. amazing, exhilarating experience as an actor that I've ever had was being in those planes, flying around. And then I got to do a scene. Some of the movie I'm in uh, little tiny planes were flying separately, but others I'm in the, the big C-123 cargo plane. And Tom Cruise is the pilot, and I'm his co-pilot, and he really flew the planes. Wow. Did he really? Yeah, he wow. really flew the, dude, the dude's amazing. Wow. He's amazing. Yeah. You know, these old military planes, it's just buttons everywhere. I'm sitting there as the as the pilot, the, the, the pilot who's familiar with that plane, is giving uh, Tom the rundown of how to work it, and he just got it. And I, I'm sitting there, and we, and we take off, and I feel the plane leave the ground. I look over, and it, it was just a surreal moment. I'm like, I'm sitting next to Maverick. This plane. I know. I know. You know, it's, it, if you if you told the teenage me that I would be doing that, I would never have believed you. Um, you got to like it like that. I think yeah. you got to be a kid about it and yeah, enjoy it, it so much. And the cool thing is, he's a kid about it. That um, is cool. He is. He had so much fun. Yeah. Now he's he is a perfectionist. He expects you to work yeah. and bring it. Um, but he has a sparkle in his eye. He yeah. loves it. And at the end of every day of shooting, no matter how long it was, no matter how intense it was, he'd always give that big Tom Cruise smile and go, man, wasn't that fun? Every day. Right. So, uh, yeah, I have nothing but wonderful things to say about him. He's I was on a bus with him in The Firm, the movie The Firm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They shot it in Boston at Copley Square. Uh-huh. And I was just starting my career, and I got called in by the, – we didn't have agents in Boston or anything like that. It was uh-huh. too small. But it was like, you want to be an extra in a film called uh-huh. The Firm? And I just read the book. Oh, nice. And it was well, it was my first experience with, like, you know, half of Boston was there to watch this scene. Uh-huh. And, and Tom Cruise comes out, and it's like the Beatles. You right. know, ah! goes crazy and yeah, i had this cool. i had this long gray trench coat uh-huh. so he's getting on the bus to go to his meeting for the first scene i'm coming oh, off nice. the bus and my comedy group friends all like took still <laughs> frames of it you know from the theater and like two seconds but right. it was like that was my uh yeah he was a like wow and plus he's from syracuse new york where oh, i'm from cool. so yeah he started out there 
Well, you know, when I was decided when I when I decided to stop being a lawyer and be a, and be an actor, I did one day of actual work, mm-hmm. only one day my whole life, mm-hmm. and it was on a Tom Cruise film. Really? Yeah. And I remember standing <laughs> there, and he's like thirty feet away from me, and and what I said to myself was. Oh, I don't want to do these kind of films, these big sellout films. I just want to do little independent artsy films. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't think I could ever do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was cool when I actually got to do it. And I, and I wish I had remembered to tell him mm-hmm. that the, <laughs> my very first thing was an extra role in, on this movie you'd done. It was cool working with him, just yeah. a lot of fun. And it's a true story, right? It is. Did you uh, meet the guy you played? Uh, he's dead. <laughs> so, so no. Oh, wow. No. no, no. <laughs> okay. Wow. No, it's a, it's a true story. They took some liberties, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, it's an amazing true story. Cool. Uh, Barry Seal, uh, youngest pilot for TWA, gets recruited by the CIA to run, um, first to do reconnaissance in um, in Central America. That's who you are, Barry Seal? No, but Tom Cruise is Barry Seal. Oh, okay. And um, he ends up working for the CIA, moving drugs for the Medellin cartel. Nice. cocaine specifically and he's playing all sides and until it comes crashing down but his operation gets so big he has to bring in people to help him so he, he brings in a group he calls his snowbirds and uh i'm his snowbird and uh cool yeah so cool man i gotta see that film it, it is I, yeah. when i saw it i was blown away um it because of the way they shot doug lyman and tom cruise have this relationship where they're very open to change like shockingly open to change they every scene we did was rewritten right before we did it which is a it's a little intimidating as an actor uh-huh. you, you get five minutes to do a scene to prep a scene to work with one of the biggest movie stars in the world uh it was a little intense <laughs> i guess but once you just kind of said that's just the way it is um it was it was exhilarating but the thing is when we finished shooting we realized none of us knew what the movie was going to be because unless you were on the set when they were shooting you don't know how the other scenes got changed. So for me it was fun. Usually I go see a movie I know the story, I've read the script. And the the movie is is pretty different from the script nice. but is wonderful. I thought it was fun, it's exciting. And I th- yeah, I'm a little biased, but I think of some of Tom Cruise's best work in years. I, I mean, he yeah. was he he pops on the screen. It's, it's fun. That was really cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank and, you. And this is about you today, actually, yes. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well right. done. Thank you. Let's dig into song number five. No! I know. Already? Here we go. Here we go. Indeed. He turned 35 last Sunday, and his hair he found some gray. But he still ain't changed his lifestyle He likes it better the old way So he grows a little garden In the backyard by the fence He's consuming what he's growing Nowadays in self-defense He gets out there in the twilight zone Sometimes when it just don't make no sense I like your soundtrack, man. I do too. I really do. I like the Bellamy this is cool. Bellamy Brothers, yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. Why this song, sir? That song sums up my dad perfectly. Aww. It's an old hippie. An old hippie. Old hippie. Uh, world's changing around him, and he just stayed the way he was. Uh. This is the Bellamy Brothers? Uh-huh. It sounds like Willie's involved in this in the background almost, but no. I don't know. What a country in your Fave Five. Yeah. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Like, obscure, like 
Like you got to know country like to know country. this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't heard any of these. Yeah. yeah. Love them all. I like, uh, I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. Uh, She's not country. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> that, that stuff doesn't That like hurts my heart a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's okay. uh, hopefully she's not listening to this. You're wonderful, Taylor. You're just not on my iPod. Uh, you just don't like her music. That's yeah, okay. Like That's music. fine. Yeah. It's fine. Like or she only videos. saved my life. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love uh, I love kind of outlaw country from late 70s, mm-hmm. early 80s. Just, it was just had a rawness to it. And... Um, it's not overly produced, you know. A lot of it's just just very uh, like I'm a lyrics guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, they catch you. These songs definitely. Mm-hmm. You catch I got those. to see George Jones one time perform. <sighs> I know on st- and he was doing this like big festival that one of the radio stations I was working for was sponsoring, and he kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because he was just him and his guitar, and he's like, yeah. "This is what I'm doing." And everyone else had like, you know, <laughs> fire and video right. and lasers, and he right. was just like me and my guitar, and I think. <laughs> Hands down, he was probably the best act yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's there's a documentary called uh, Heart Worn Highways, I think, mm-hmm. uh, about a lot of these guys. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I met a guy in the Army you kind of remind me of at Fort Jackson. Or you probably could have been a buddy of his. But I remember we were pulling up our BDU's sleeves. We got to finally roll them up after like week three. And this this kid had... Waylon and Willie. <laughs> nice. And I, nice. I'm from East Coast. I'm from upstate New York. You know, right. so it's just like, damn. You know, I learned so much from that kid. God. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little brother who's got a, a Jim Bean bottle tattooed on his So whiskey goes deep. Oh, right? God bless America. And <laughs> exactly. I mean that from the bottom of my red, white, and blue heart. Yeah. I really do. I really do. Well, this is a really cool Fave Five. Yeah, we'll sell millions of this copy. Yeah, this is really cool. Thank you for sharing all that. Well, guys, thank you. This was so much fun. Well, hey, we're not done yet. We've got more for you. The stories do get kind of intense, and so this is kind of a brain break is what I call it, a little game we like to call band name or bar name, where last week's guest came up with a location, and David has been spending all week researching this location, coming up with two names, one of which is the name of a band, and the other which is the name of a bar and we you and i get to guess which is which that's right so get ready to play band name or bar name (laughs) today's city is right in the heart of the united states of america which is fitting for this show sioux city iowa now mark if i wanted to go out tonight in sioux city and take you and uh old maggie with me uh old maggie i know where'd that come from oh i'm like turned into a country boy right now and i shouldn't be so uh we can go and uh, grab a bite to eat at One-Eyed Jack's, and we can go listen to Ghost Ship play. Or, or we can go to Ghost Ship, and we can listen to One-Eyed Jack's play. Ghost Ship, One-Eyed Jack's. Ghost Ship, which might I don't be know. seafood. I don't know the answer to this. So. It's in Sioux City, Iowa. I'm going to say Ghost Ship is the band, and One-Eyed Jack's is the restaurant. Or the Why would you say that? Like what? Is it a wild Because guess? you're correct. That's why he's <laughs> trying to trick you. No. Uh, I'd say that because Go- <laughs> if I was going to start a band, I would name it Ghost Ship. <laughs> it is a really cool name oh, for a band. Wow. Yeah. Well, Although if you were a one-eyed Jack, maybe Jack is like the person that runs the band. That's what I'm going with. One-eyed Jack. You're going with the, one-eyed Jack as the, the band. band. Well, <clears throat> And I'm going to eat it, Ghost Ship. Fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's the guys in Ghost Ship have been rocking Siouxland for quite some time. They're classic metalheads who enjoy playing in front of a crowd. They always do. 
If your rock isn't sore the morning after seeing a ghost ship show, then you clearly weren't headbanging enough. Next time you're in Sioux City, check out. And a lot of these guys are modern day versions of uh, the metal scene. They look nice. great. They look nice. great. And uh, on the other hand, if you want to go to a good bar, great happy hour, bar games, head on down to thirty one. Uh, head on down to thirty ninety one Hamilton Boulevard in Sioux City, Iowa. And you can get yourself a good beer, talk to some good people, and have yourself a good old time at One-Eyed Jack's. Open five days a week. And thank you both Ghost Ship and One-Eyed Jack from Sioux City uh, for being part of Y-Tune Shuffle, band name or bar name. That's fun. (laughs) There are no points. We don't win anything. But you do win. (laughs) We do want you to pick a location for next week's guest. That is the Uh, David will research and find... Anywhere. Do it right now? Yeah. Off top of your head. Off anywhere. Your head. You're a world traveler. You're know. Probably, you know. Anywhere you want to go. Probably the first one you think of will be great. Pick a city, any city? Oh, <laughs> uh, any city. Let's say Macon, Georgia. Macon, cool. Georgia. Nice. Yep. And there goes, yeah, Macon County line. I like it. Okay. Well, way to win the game. Thank you. <laughs> I think Thank I like you. to lose on purpose. I think that's my that's my favorite. I suck at this game. <laughs> so bad. I, I, I like that Mark said, if I had a band, I'd name it Ghost Ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so nice. This what is, is cool. uh, a guilty pleasure that you are enjoying right now? Music, TV, movies, whatever it is. In and out, definitely. <laughs> I've enjoyed it a lot the last week. Um Let's see, movies. Um, is there a TV show that you and your girlfriend get into and you're like, We just finished watching Westworld. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure, but I really enjoyed it. I like the Marvel shows on uh, on Netflix. Agents uh, of Daredevil. S.H.I.E.L.D., is that what that is? Not that one. Oh. Uh, the one on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will take a role if you offer it. <laughs> uh, Daredevil and uh, Luke Cage and the Defenders. It's just silly fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy those. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very hard. It's our favorite part of the show. Mm. We would love to hear the story of your very first concert. This is or... going to sound so terrible. Like, I, when I was 18, I was in Savannah, and I drove up to Atlanta for a, uh, it was one of these reunion concerts with, like, bands from the early 60s. Like, it was just, I, I don't even remember, like, I think Frankie Valli and the, four, like, those, those types mm-hmm. of guys. I get there with my buddies, the same buddies I listed earlier, and everybody's in their 60s. <laughs> <laughs> What possessed you to go see that? I don't know. Like they, you know, we like them, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what we. How thinking. old were you? Eighteen. Oh man, yeah. that's cool though. That I mean, is it was cool. a road trip. Yeah, it was a road trip, and and um, actually, told did you guys like pregame at all in the parking lot? We couldn't. We were eighteen. But what we did do is we ran to a guy in a parking lot who uh, told us that we could get into Spearmint Rhino. Oh wow, that's uh, a franchise. That is a franchise. And, you know what it uh, is, Maggie? Uh. Uh-uh. It's a strip club. It is an adult oh. entertainment. <laughs> yeah. uh, he told us we could get in. Gentlemen's uh, club. <laughs> but we had to have these special tickets. And they were they were only $100 a piece. Only? 18 wow. yeah. yeah. So we scrounged our money together and we bought these tickets. No. And, and we go to what we think is going to be our first adult entertainment experience. And they just laughed at us at the door. <laughs> There's no tickets. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's my big thing. scammed. Take. Totally scammed. Oh, oh porkies. This little <laughs> dumb kid. Oh, man. Oh. Yeah, so that's my uh, concert experience. That makes me think of one time I was in Las Vegas and we just needed to get from one end of the strip to the other. And like there was a like a, a strip club that happened to be near where we were going. And they were like, we'll give you a free limo ride if you go into the strip club. And we're like... 
okay. <laughs> so, like, we got in there and we we're like, like just pretend that you're going, but we're gonna like run around back and then like go to where we wanted to go. So we did the whole. And, yeah, it was stupid. Yeah. Then I found five bucks. Yes. There you go. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, but I, but I, I wonder, Frankie Valley. I mean, that's pretty amazing that you got to see Frankie Valley. I mean, who else might? I mean, it's been a long time ago. It's been a long time ago. It was, it was, it was five bands that were huge in the early sixties, and mm-hmm. they were just kind of doing their reunion thing. That's a cool thing. I, I remember. It was seeing, cool. Yeah. I, I was cool. at. A, we had a, a teen, a teen dance bar in Ithaca, New York, where I grew up. And uh, one day, out of the blue, Wolfman Jack showed up. Wow. That's awesome. And I had him give me an autograph on a pack of Marlboro Reds that I was carrying. I think in the twelfth grade or the eleventh grade. <laughs> <clears throat> I wish I would have kept that. That's great. Yeah, because yeah. no at the time I was like, "I hey, Wolfman Jack, right, right, <laughs> now it's right. like a huge deal." Yeah. Well, Mark, we're so glad that you were on the show. Thank so you so glad. much for taking time out of your busy LA trip. And if fans want to continue to follow you and your work and what you've been up to, what is your corner of the internet? Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram. It's William Mark McCullough. Okay. Uh, Twitter. It's W Mark McCullough, I believe. Just Google William Mark McCullough. I'm, I'll, pop I'll put links to all and of the that. IMDb, the yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm easy to find. Good. Well, congratulations on all of your success. Welcome thank to LA you. for the remainder of the time that you're here. Welcome back. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you.